Hey, this is Red Summer. And this is Anifa Walida. We are your gay aunties. Hey, children. <laughs> hey, children. How you doing? How you doing? Yeah. Why is my mic bugging out right when we start? All right. All right. We good. <laughs> <laughs> so, guess what we got this week? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We got a letter. <laughs> Another letter. Y'all rolling. I love it. Y'all, y'all rolling with it. Y'all rolling with it. Y'all get the point of the show, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes it exciting when we get to hear back from you. Definitely. So should I read part of the letter? Um, How long is it? No, no, no. It's short. I, and I kind of... um. What do you call it? Summarize it a little bit. <laughs> okay. All right. Go for it. And I don't know. Well, I think if someone doesn't want us. Person's name. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think she would, she would make it clear if she doesn't want her name. So I think we can use her name. Just FYI. If you don't want us to use your name, just say that you don't want us to use your name at the top of the letter. Otherwise we're going to assume that we're going to use the name that you gave us. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, then, this is Cass, and Cass is having some difficulties uh, relating with her mom, and I'm assuming it's Cass's or her. Um, yes. <laughs> I had to scan through it real quick. So, Cass is having some difficulties relating um, with her mom. She had been living overseas for a while. And now is back in the States and back home, like (laughs) back in the hometown. And so family stuff gets kind of interesting as you get older. You've been out of the, you know, out of the nest for a while, living your life on your own terms and, you know, uh, the way you want it to go. And now you're back with your folks. And. Um, you're new and you're different and, you know, you've changed and you think, you know, you all that now because you've been all in the world, you know, how that kind of stuff goes. But Kaz and her mom are also caregiving for Kaz's grandmother, Mm. which, um, has them together a lot. Um, grandmother is, is ill. Um, and just needing that constant support, which also brings mom into a place of her own mortality, right? Um, mm. Children into a concept of mortality. And um, when those relationships haven't been strong and they haven't been uh, powerful and, and healthy and uh, positive in, in the most... I guess, nurturing ways, then coming back under those types of circumstances can be very, very difficult. And so Kaz is just trying to find out, like, how do you or how could she mend this relationship with mom before she has to become caregiver for mom? Mm. And and when, when you say mend a relationship, I think she... She mentioned something, you know, it's along the uh, the the lines of her mom being accepted of queerness. It seems to be like a, a sometimes mm-hmm. she's on point, sometimes she's not. It's kind of hard to navigate. At least that's what I remember from the letter. 
And so, you know, you have to feel uh, appreciated and accepted uh, and cared for by mom in order to want to take on that responsibility, you know, when the roles shift. Mm. And kind of not feeling that from mom and not really knowing how to get that uh, mended before the roles shift. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, I can relate to this to some. Is it that's the extent of the letter? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, I can relate to this to some extent because um, I more recently started caregiving, you know, for my mom. Nothing really, really major, just like hip surgery and everything. But still, it, it can leave her in a state of vulner- being really vulnerable where it really hits you as, you know, the child. And I'm actually an only child, so I think it's even more intense. You don't have siblings as a buffer. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, I, what... What I can say, honestly, is that there is no way to prepare for caregiving for your parents. I don't care what your previous relationship is because your what you think your relationship is with your parents will be unpacked again and put in your face and 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 the mirror put in front of you to see that's going to give you a really, really rude awakening of how much you are like your parents and how much you come from your parents. And sometimes it's a difficult thing Sometimes it's funny, you know, (laughs) you know, sometimes it's like, oh my God, I am so my mother's child. Okay. But sometimes it is difficult. And when you're in a care, um, taking position, um, she's completely dependent on you in the same way that you were dependent on your, your mother when you were an infant. It literally is that same dynamic. You were, your worry, um, uh, uh, barometer is like heightened, you know, you, you become a little bit of, well, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but you become a little bit of a micromanager of her life because you know, it's the slightest thing. She is in a vulnerable state. So the slightest thing can be a bad thing, you know? So when you find your, when you find the roles reverse, what I found that happened was I really started to understand in a nuanced way the, the manner, the, the woman who raised me. And even though we may disagree on some things, like, you know, my mother's from a different generation, um, a completely different generation, you know, not like just five or 10 years older, like, you know, completely generation, <laughs> you know, so the things she'll say, I'm like, wow, mommy, that's not really the best thing to say. You can maybe say things differently, <laughs> but what, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or there's things that will trigger me, even aside from like politics, I think in her, Letter, she definitely was talking about, you know, her mom sometimes can be transphobic, but she's a little bit more accepting with general queerness or gayness or whatever. Like, you know, she's kind of set her lines. And that's the thing. You, along with learning, you know, how much I am like my mother, aside from my politics or blah, 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 blah. Um, I also learned that there isn't much you can do to change them in any major and significant way, depending on who your mom is. Um, when they are in a care, t- when they're in a position where they're being in taking care of you, sometimes different parts of her may come out. Like my mother reached out to me in different ways that I had never experienced before 
because now they're getting older and they have to deal with their own mortality in a very real way. So it really either opens them up in ways that they hadn't been opened up before or, you know, um, you just have different experiences that's both a challenge for you and your mom. So that's really what I think is the most thing to prepare for and maybe less than how am I going to take my mother or how am I going to get on the best footing with my mother before I have to take care of her? Um, you know, you want you can try that, but you know, I'm just saying that when you're caregiving for your mom, and you might experience this a little bit in caregiving for your grandmother, um, that your relationship somewhat shifts in a way. And I consider it, and I'll end it with this and saying that I consider that experience to be a gift more than not a gift. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. it was a gift that I had given to me to be able to take care of my mother in that way and, and experience her in different ways. So, yeah. So you, like, I really haven't thought a lot about this. And as you're speaking, like you're, you're kind of triggering some, some memories for me. Right. So um, I'm thinking about what I know about love. Right. Mm. Uh, Learn that from your family. <laughs> right. You, you growing up in this is, there's family and there's households and people um, are related to you and, you know, like all this stuff or however family looks for your family. And they tell you like care and concern and these things are a part of those relationships. Right. Um, I didn't grow up with watching my mother in a romantic partnership, but I had my grandparents Um, and my grandparents did not have a romantic relationship in that, like I saw them hugging and kissing and, you know, like canoodling and that kind of thing. Like they were very matter of fact kind of people. I'm sorry. Canoodling. I love it. (laughs) I haven't heard that word canoodling. Okay. All right. (laughs) All right. Continue. Right. They took care of things and my mother really needed a doting mother. Like she needed a mother who, you know, cared for her and looked after her and fixed her bows and did all that kind of stuff. But that's not the kind of mother that she got. Right. (laughs) Um, And so it was very interesting when my grandmother was, well, first my grandmother got sick and my grandfather lost it. Like he had not had to care for himself in decades, right? (laughs) Because my grandmother did everything. And so I watched him try to navigate the house without my grandmother while my grandmother was in the hospital. And he looked lost in his own house, right? And I remember the most endearing moments of them when he would go to the hospital and my grandmother was having chemo and he would like rub the eucerin cream in her hand. And I remember just bawling at that feeling like this was the first time I had seen them be like gentle to each other. Mm. in that way, Right. Um, and so then my grandfather gets sick while my grandmother is in the hospital fighting cancer she gets well. Period. Wow. 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 Well, and she cares for my grandfather until he transitions. And then she allows herself to get sick again. Gosh. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I am watching this like in 
absolute amazement. Like this is like, I thought I was not going to learn anything about loving romantic relationships from these people because they weren't um, affectionate in that Mm -hmm. kind of way. Right. Um, But when my grandmother starts to transition, my mother goes from this kind of almost rejected child. Bam. She springs into action. And now like she gets to do all the things like build this relationship with my grandmother as she's transitioning that she always kind of wanted with her. Oh, and as you were saying, like my grandmother kind of let go of some of the stuff that she had been holding on to and, and fighting you know, over like her, um, I don't know, just all of her stuff that prevented her from being that really doting, loving kind of mom. Like they worked through a lot of that stuff, you know, when they were close in this relationship together. And so in that, I just kind of recognized that a lot of the stuff that matters now won't matter then. It won't right. matter for shit. Like everything right. you're everything you're imagining, you are only imagining that based on your relationship as the child to your mother. But I'm telling you, when those roles are reversed, yeah. it's really interesting, the dynamic. Right. And so you won't care whether or not your mother has really embraced the trans community when she has lost the ability to hold her bodily functions. Word. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, and if you do, then you got to do that work. You got to really figure out like what is, is preventing you from healing or growing or whatever that thing is I guess you to let that 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 heart hurt or harm or that you know side comment or whatever it is go in this moment. Like, <laughs> go ahead. And, you know, I'm, and, I, and I'm I'm thinking I'm just going to bounce off you some more. You know, the issues that are important to you. Um, and as she mentioned, you know, just how her mother speaks about queerness or speaks about trans identity, and the person didn't really identify if she was like trans or not. But whatever, you know, whether she is or not, you know, she was really bothered how her mom speaks about queerness. Right. And it's like that. That. What is your what you're letting go is. Literally, linguistically, how your mother speaks about things <laughs> like, you know, you have you can't have some ideal you know, idea in your head of how you would like to relate to your mother linguistically, like the kind of conversations you want to have and how those conversations are going to sound. And she's going to say everything perfectly and, and get the pronouns right. And, and her eyes will light up really wide when she says the right pronoun. And, you know, that's the things that as a child, you want so bad. You want your, your parents to relate to you like as if they've lived your life. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously they've been there for a chunk of your life, but not really the part of your life where you started coming into your own. That you did separately. Mm -hmm. So you can't 
and all they they reference is raising you in the world that they came from and yada 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 so you can't really put on them what they have an experience with you or at least you have to really give them their time to uh, adapt to what a point where they're really comfortable and that may or may not come but is that absolutely the most important thing when it comes down to taking care of your parents towards the end of their life, or even when they're not so much even the end of their life, but like in my situation, my mother will be here forever, y'all, but, (laughs) you know, but they're just in a place where they absolutely need you. So they don't need your opinions of them. What they need is you. And what it does is it really is a serious, no bullshit call to action, whatever your relationship is with your creator, God, or whatever. A call to action is like, who are you going to be to the person that took the time to take care of your ass because they could have left you on the curb. They really could have, <laughs> you know, and, and they're at, and they're asking you to take care of them for whatever length of time, but it's nowhere near the amount of time that they took care of you. Yeah. So where you, where you were vulnerable to the state, but you needed taken care of. So you, it's really about readjusting your priorities as the child, because a child needs certain things from their parents and you're easily hurt by our parents or, you know, our parents can really rub us the wrong way so easily. You know, but what the call to action is, is that you kind of have to, you got to meet it halfway. You can't be so easily hurt. You can't be so annoyed so easily. And you may snap at your mother. You may get, that's just like the mother daughter or mother son or parent child relationship. You are going to snap in that, in that state of taking care of them because it's frustrating to take care of someone. It's hard work to take care of someone and then put on top of this is not a child. This is actually an adult that's lived a life an adult that's raised you. So there's that weird dynamic between you and your mom and all of that. But even with all of that, you have to keep pushing through because there is something on the other side. That's a gift to both of you. And if you're both open to whatever extent, even if you're not, I think you're almost forced to reevaluate and subtly change your relationship. The relationship that you thought was your relationship actually may not quite be the relationship. Your mother, you know, is going to open up. Like, is, you know what it is, Red? It's like, and what I learned is like, you know, I obviously am not the same person I was 10 or 20 years ago or what have you. That's because of the things that happened to you. But I think all the things that happened to you in life, one of the things when you get older and you start to really have to have a relationship with your mortality, um, that things that you might've been close to, or even like things in your head that you just took for granted just shifts. So your mom is going through something new too. So that's what you're there for, for you both to experience this new experience between the both of you that, that is not so much that what's that thing like that, um, Basically, that mother-daughter relationship, this is an opportunity for you guys to totally flip the script. It really is an opportunity. I can't stress that enough. I cannot stress that enough. I had no idea what I was walking into, but I'm so grateful that I experienced that with my mother. I think the one thing that keeps bringing true for me is are you offering what you're expecting, right? So you want your mother to do the work to understand you and accept you as you are, <laughs> right? You want your mom to, to get it right so that you can be comfortable and feel accepted. 
But are you also considering the times that your mom came up in and considering how she feels about things and what she believes about things and and where she's been in her own life or maybe what experiences she has also had and <laughs> like taking the time and the patience to build that relationship with your mother where you both can trust each other because if every time she makes a mistake you're pissed off she's never going to feel safe enough to try to get the pronouns right <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly. Get, you know, anxious and shut down. And so, you know, it could be a game. It could be, you know, this thing that you do that's relaxed and that is chill and that it's okay for her to learn and grow and to make mistakes and be corrected and those types of things without feeling so stressed about it. I know we can, you know, especially when we get a new letter on the alphabet, we are on it. <laughs> and we think everybody needs to know it and accept it and be that a letter, la, la, la. Like, yeah, cool. However, some people need a learning curve. Like, some people need extra time on the test. Like, <laughs> some people need. <laughs> and so, you know, you got to kind of give a little too. like all of this work is not on mom like this is not her generation this isn't her fight it isn't her you know her struggle and it's really not a part of her everyday consciousness mm-hmm. and so if you want her to embrace something new then you have to do that in a way that she can accept it and you're the you're the only example of the newness so <laughs> so how you act and react is what she's like, she's not going to watch documentaries and go read. I mean, she may, I don't know, but you know, she's basically learning from you by, you know, talking directly with you, but also experiencing you experiencing her experiencing you, you know what I mean? So it's your, you, you actually have power in this situation um, to help with your mother's education around you. But it's it can only get complicated or it most likely will get complicated because what's also mixed in that is your relationship with your mother, period. And all of that crap, <laughs> you know, that you not realize that that's really what's setting you off. You know what I mean? And just one little, one little thing that I was thinking about when you were saying earlier, um, you know, the thing about, you know, uh, uh, oh God, what does it make me think about? It made me think about, um, God, you were saying something. Gotta start writing this down. But um oh yeah, okay. I know, right? But it's just no, no, but like, you know, mom mom duke, like she okay. Mothers, because they were the first ones to be in a position of being a mother, okay, before the roles were reversed, right? Um they developed a relationship of talking to you or relating to you. Some mothers will like, you know, you're the child. You can't really say nothing to them. You can't really teach them nothing. Um, and some are really open to you. But I think at the end, regardless of how it appears they're being, when they have to deal with their mortality or deal with a, that level of vulnerability where their child has to take care of them, that switches a, a button in their head where they're, they really want you to like them too. You know what I mean? Like they, they, re- they really want you, they want to get along with you as much as you want to get along with them. The only thing that is impeding all of that, that's getting in the way of all of that is the prior relationship that you guys have built based on her being a young woman and you being a kid and you being a young woman and her being a slightly older woman now. 
you know, all of that stuff you keep packing on top of that childhood, young mother experience. And then now you're a young woman in the world, yada, yada, yada. And you just know shit and mom, you got to get with it type shit. And she's like, okay, I'm not quite knowing how to do that. But in the back of her head, she's like, but I want, I want you to want and need me the way you did when you were younger. You know, like that, I can't see a mother like getting rid of that. You know what I mean? It's just about how she relates to it and how she expresses it, you know, and how she can get to it. And in and, and, and her own sense of, you know, insecurities, um, her own sense of pride as a mom and having to ask her child, for, I mean, it depends on your mom. I don't really know your mom, but I think no matter how a mom relates, you know, even if they are bitter or they have maybe some negativity about them, deep down, if they carried you through through, they really want you to be there. They want you to be there and present with them as much as you want them to be present with you. Even though they may not know quite how to articulate it, they're going to find a way to try and reach out. And that's the dynamic I'm telling you that shifts when you wind up becoming the caretaker. And you might have not experienced that because, you know, it was you and your mom taking care of your grandma. And that really, that's your grandma, not your mama. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. You know, uh, so just be mindful of that. Um, and I think it's something we kind of stress a lot on this show as far as understanding um, older people who haven't gotten the memo yet or or haven't studied the memo. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know how to open up a memo on this thing. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, it's 15 letters now. It ain't just four, you know, like. They, they just, you know, they just got like LGBTG. What, what? Yeah. They're like, oh, what? Who? What? Huh? <laughs> you know, you know. So, yeah. So I, I think uh, you have anything else to say to this? No, I think that's that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So so good luck with that, uh, Kaz. Um, um, and. Yeah, good, good. Not, good luck is kind of a cheap way to say that. Um, I'm almost saying giving you a pre-congratulations. A what? Good love. Good love. Ooh, you better work. Good That's yes. That. Good right? love with that. We gotta write that down. We gotta do that again. Good love in this in this relationship, in this situation, and then it will grow in the way you need it to. Word. Word. Yay. Yay. <laughs> All right. Um, so, you know, uh, so thank you, Kaz, again. And for all of you who want advice from us, who want um, some insight into love, life, and navigating it all, um, you can holler at us at yourgayaunties at gmail.com. Now, let's get into the, the topic for today's show. <laughs> well, the topic for today's show is kind of along that same line, this this good love, right? Um, how do you know the relationships that you were in were relationships that you should have been in? Or just, you mean romantic as opposed to a friendship? Right. Romantic as opposed to a friendship or a business partnership or whatever, like... Because you you are impressed with, enamored with, or like just really, really appreciate something about a person, does that mean that you should try to holler? <laughs> <laughs> and even 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 not for nothing, sometimes physical attraction is not necessarily that. You know what I mean? Um, or just that, you know? Um and this is like based off of my initial relationships and, and the 
initial community that I came into uh, in lesbian land, I thought <laughs> breakups were just um, just formalities. And I have to say, I I don't know if my my first girlfriend is listening to the show. She might. Um, She never breaks up with her (laughs) exes. Like, some of them are, like, I swear they they all still together. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of led to my concept of coming into, like, this big sorority, you know, (laughs) where everybody very much knows everybody <laughs> maybe biblically <laughs> it's almost like it's like it's like you know i have i can't tell you how many ex-girlfriends wind up writing grants together or you know what i mean like it's like that's what lesbians do mm-hmm. you know what i mean like so okay we broke up all right so we're gonna write this grant still right <laughs> <laughs> get i have like booked international trips before we broke up and we still got to take the trip. <laughs> <Even though. laughs> we didn't make it to the, to the 15. <laughs> oh, we're still going. <laughs> yeah, but not as beautiful as that chick was that you was talking to last week. You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I thought that it was kind of more so that. But again, I did move and move to a city where that wasn't necessarily the case as much. Whereas, you know, you were saying like people don't speak to each other anymore or, you know, like whole communities kind of splitting up because, you know, one couple broke up. So I've kind of seen both of those things happen. Mm. Um but when I think about like even just learning how to love, learning what love is, what love is going to be for you in your life. And how love changes um, and morphs and transforms over time. Yeah, <laughs> because what I thought early 20s, mid 20s or, you know, whatever that was <laughs> when I was Oh my God, I am so in love with her. Like looking at it now in 40s, I'm like, girl, what was I thinking? (laughs) That's not what that was. Um, That wasn't even a loving relationship. Mm. You know, so like, so what I, I, what I think it is like, you know, in your 20s where you, I'm sorry, you just literally don't know what a relationship is. I, I, I have never been so lost than I have been when I was in my 20-somethings and as far as relationships. I was just feeling around in the dark. I had no idea what love is. And so what I thought love was, was everything I watched on TV prior. Every, you know, I put so much on something. So I really hadn't honed the skill of actually seeing the person for who they are and then falling in love with that. You know what I mean? As opposed to putting expectations on them or on the relationship. And those expectations over time kind of give you, you know, rose colored, you know, glasses and you, you know, you don't see things and you don't really see them for what they are, but you've put all this expectation um, on them before actually really, really getting to know them or or rather you're getting to know them through the filter of this initial expectation. And I think as you get older, what you learn is to slowly have a thinner, thinner, 
filter when you meet people so you can see them as clearly as possible and really experience them, you know, um, uh, 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 and be present with them. So you can say, okay, I'm feeling this person, like I'm feeling this person, but what is, what is this that? I mean, I'm just going to sit with that. You know, it's like, I'm not going to put too much on this. I'm just, just going to go on some dates. We're going to, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But, you know, allowing yourself to slowly feel someone and not putting all these buckets and buckets of expectation and love that, you know, was on Lifetime channel shit, you know, on someone and on a relationship, you know, quite honestly, you know what, one of my, one of my, one of the questions I like to ask when I'm, I'm dating someone or like the, even the first date, I say, Hey, so are you in touch with any of your exes? And I have that conversation mm-hmm. because when someone tells me, oh, no, I don't talk to them. I like, it's, it's, I know it's a dead issue. I know it's a dead issue. I know we're not going to get along. Because mm-hmm. for me, I associate that with a certain personality type that is not open. You know, a person that is not, mm-hmm. uh, that's a bit rigid. You know what I mean? That doesn't know how to grow over time because they have clear expectations of someone. They don't meet the expectations. They cut them off for whatever fucking de- demon reason they need to do that. <laughs> Right. You know, so that actually is a, a big red flag for me. And that's stuff that you learn over time. Because when you start to understand what kind of relationship you want, you know, um, and that could be a lifetime journey. It ain't like, you know, at 40 something, I'm like, oh, okay, I just know what the hell I want. I'm just saying what I know I want now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I know what red flags that tell me, okay, this person is not going to possess some baseline traits that I can, I can build, I can, we can build together on, you know what I mean? So let me just end this shit now and just, let's just kill it. You know what I'm saying? Cause I ain't, I'm too old to be trying to teach and educate people on certain baseline personality, you know, considerational things that I expect in my partner. I'm not trying to teach nobody that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, maybe a 20 something I tried and failed. But, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to have some baseline goodness that I relate to for us to, for us to build on. Otherwise, why would we do it here? You know, but I think, I think mm-hmm. we're, well, sorry, I think maybe I'm straying a little bit from the initial topic and this idea of trying to discern between, you know, who's this new person. Cause I think it's exciting when new people enter your life too. If you really think about it, the person, you know, even your homies, your friends, you know, when they entered your life, there was something about them that you were like, it's like, I really like this chick, yo, yo, let's hang, you know, or over time mm-hmm. it just hit you like, yo, yo, it's me and you. We see things eye to eye. You my, you my dog. You my real person, you know, or you appreciate something they did for you that really warmed your heart. It's like, wow, this person's really special. I want them in my life. How is that really different than that initial, oh, you feel when you see someone say you're attracted to or someone that really, you know you know, float your boat because of conversation you have with them or whatever. Um, the only difference is that, you know, kind they're kind of the same. It's just maybe they arrive at different speeds or something. I don't know. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I think as human beings, we want to be able to relate and socialize and love people. You know, we just kind of set up this thing where, you know, um, you know, with this person that I physically, I'm physical with, you know, even though sometimes we can cuddle with our homegirls, you know what I'm saying? That's just a woman thing, but, you know, but, <laughs> but it's not sexual per se, you know, but, you know, um, the, you know, this thing that is quote unquote romantic, you know, okay, this thing has whatever kind of worth because, okay, that ro- that romanticism, you know, is going to build until, you know, we're going to have kids together, maybe, or we're going to build something together and that should be respected. But why is our friendships 
in some degree less respected or less prioritized. And this is this is within within context. Obviously, you know, if you have children with someone, your friends can't have too much say in what you and your child is, you know, you and the and your partner is going to do with the kids. Like, yeah, that's that it's two different relationships. But I really have a problem with the hierarchical thing. You know what I mean? I think that, you know, there's a time that I need to spend with my friends because I have a relationship with them. You know, I'm also learning that I'm not going to be so quick to introduce my new girlfriends to my pools of friends. Because at the end of the day, they my motherfucking friends. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I date great women. So yeah. usually in most cases, my friends didn't become her friend. And then when we break up, people mm-hmm. got to figure out how they're going to maneuver. <laughs> You know, which is another reason why you need to have healthy breakups for everybody, yeah. <laughs> for everybody. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're not just, you're not just your little, you know what, actually, you know, what's a good example. Um, I went to a friend's wedding and, uh, one of, you know, you know, queen, right? Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. so she, she's, yeah. she's, she's one of my, one of my other mothers. Right. And so she, she, she mm-hmm. uh, presided over the wedding and she said something that was so clear. It was the first time I had heard it because I happily hadn't gone to weddings, but the first time I had heard it and I was like, oh, that's what this is about. She's like, she was, it wasn't just about the couple. It was about the community around the couple and not just in, in calling on the community to support this couple, but also the impact that the couple has on the community. Cause we all know them couples that is toxic as hell. Like we, we like she. We just invite one of them over because when they both come over, it's not really the best time. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. And it's like so when you think about your relation, your romantic relationship in particular, you know, think about not just you two and your own two, three. How you know we queer? You know, I can't just say two is not always the magic mm-hmm. number, but it's not just about y'all. You know what I'm saying? In your little bubble, and it's all about us and fuck. No, it's about the impact. Be mindful of the impact that you're having on your immediate friend circle and the larger community. You know, is it a positive thing? You know what I'm saying? Or does everyone want you to come around? Because your community, what I'm saying is that your community is not so much you're beholden to them, but they will reflect you. So you sometimes you need to look to your community, like how are we doing? It's the conversation is not between just you and y'all. Sometimes you need to check in with your community to see how the fuck you're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> no, that's so real. I'm so glad that you you brought that up because um Butterfly Soul married us. Ooh, butterfly, I love Butterfly Soul. That's the exact same thing, you know. Um, that like, hey, everybody, you're here for a reason. Like, <laughs> you got a job to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of the things that that he said that everybody still kind of echoes or just you know, um, just say even as a joke, it's like send her mm-hmm. home, right? <laughs> like, yeah, you can let her come, you can let her vent, you can let her whatever, whatever, but let her know that at the end of the conversation, she going home. Yeah. <laughs> when the, when the community becomes involved in a relationship, then the responsibility is not uh, just this one-sided. This goes back to what we were talking about with uh, Kaz Uh earlier, with friendship relationships, as well as with romantic relationships. Like none of these can be one-sided where the expectations are, you know, I don't know, like even the best way to put it, we're like, you are only considering 
this one narrow thing in how you relate to a person. Either the person is there to serve you, mm-hmm. right? You find a partner who can take care of you and you're not thinking about how to take care of the partner, right? And so when we're thinking about like what this love relationship or what all of our love relationships look like and feel like, I think we should stop and do some reflecting on them. Like, how are people relating to us? But also, how are we relating to other people? What effects do we have on other people's lives? The people who we love, who we consider ourselves to yes. love. I'm a homeboy. That I definitely, I, you cannot tell me, like, that's not my boy. Like, I love him. He was like, yeah, but no. Nah. I'm like, what? What you mean? Like, <laughs> we've been friends for years. He'd be like, but, I mean, like, you love me now, but you don't love me verb. Like, I was like, whoa. Like, what you mean? Like, I'm not really the person that he would go to to, like, get from. Because how our relationship had been set up, I would go to him and, like, pour out, oh, my God, this thing is happening, blah, 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 blah. Tell me what to do. And then I would get off the phone. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm. <laughs> and so like taught me about reciprocity in my friend love as well as like my relationship love my family love yeah 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 that's that's real that's real that's real yeah. and, and and not for nothing i think i've become a better friend as i've gotten older you know what i mean i think i've always been a decent person and friend um, but you know, I'm, I mean, maybe a couple of people may not think so. Cause you know, you lose friends along the way, but, but I think that I've, I've yeah. learned, I'm learning how to be a better friend. Um, and, and, and when I say that, you know, that can mean, you know, calling more often that can mean checking in that can, I mean, that can mean whatever assortment of things, but it also can mean, um, learning to, truly understand the dynamic of my relationship with, with friends. You know, because like, I have friends who I consider probably my best friends, but I'll speak to them just a couple times a, a year. You know what I mean? And when I speak to them, yeah. it's like we've been speaking to each other every day for the past year. You know, we're completing each other's sentences, right. <laughs> yada, 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 yada. You know what I mean? When shit really, really, really go down, even though we haven't spoken a year, you know I'm gonna call you up because I need your energy in particular. You know, or you know, this friend is really into like you know, you know, cosmic spiritual stuff. So they're going to talk to me about this particular issue a particular way than say my other friend who yeah we we cool and we dope and we do this, but we don't. She can't relate to me in a way that I need to be related to now. So when you look at your pool of friends, everyone has particular traits that are so valuable. You know what I mean? And knowing who to call when, knowing how to nurture those relationships around where you actually connect with your pool, you know, within your pool of friends. That's just it's just the same thing as like what Red's saying. That's the same thing with um with your romantic relationships, you know. Um, you know, if you're having one or many or whatever, you you have to say, well, how am I relating to this person and how am I how what do they look for me to? And making sure that I give that to them. You know, what does the reciprocity look like? Because you sometimes you can't guess what the reciprocity is. You know, like that's, and that's how you better understand your relationships over time. Like, you know what your friend expects from you. You know what I mean? And and you know what they don't expect and, and vice versa. And but reciprocity is something also that is practiced and not so much even assumed. 
you learn over time as you become stronger and stronger friends and 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 lovers if that's your relationship. You know, ooh, Ashe. So real love for all kinds of love. You know, uh, don't they always say. I think the bottom line is when you feel those feelings, don't define it right away. Sometimes give it some room to breathe. Give it some room to breathe a little bit. You know. Um, don't believe in all those romantic, you know, lifetime things like, oh, that's the one that got away because I moved too slow. Like, oh, that's bullshit. Give it, give it some time. I mean, if you lose them, you lose them, whatever. You know what I'm saying? You know, you'll get somebody. Somebody. Don't worry about it. But <laughs> I mean, really, whatever. Come on, life ain't gonna leave alone. Like, you know, it ain't the one. It's like a one. All right, maybe it could have happened. Then you know, move too slow. Okay. But I think you're if you're moving slow is a good thing. You know what I mean? Like really, just taking a step back, a few feet away from the from the picture. So you're not up on the picture. You can actually see what the, what's in the frame. I think too, like what waiting does is it gives a time for the mask mm. to fall. Without the pressure of trying to impress each other. <laughs> like somebody said this to me once and I, I it just made so much, so much sense. Like, well, nah, um, I need to see you in all seats. Okay. Right. <laughs> I'm not jumping into this thing until I know how you are in spring when it's raining. I know how you are when in summer when it's hot. <laughs> I know how you are in the fall when the, the leaves are you know are changing and in the snow. Like <laughs> I just want to take the time to get to know more about you then. Is that we don't gotta we don't gotta jump right? on a roller coaster right away, you know what I'm saying? We can go on the water slide. You know what I'm saying? Oh, we can we can get on a different rides that are not so intense. You know, another little science fact too. Yeah. Exactly. Another little science fact too. That whole initial love, that little uh six month bullshit, like, oh, we on our month anniversary. Like, bitch, get out of my face. Y'all in La La Land. I mean, no, really, no, really like literally like chemically, you're in La La Land. You're not making good decisions. You're enjoying the roller coaster that all those endorphins and that's just rushing and y'all spending all this time together and da da da. That's an actual state of being that I think maybe the creator, whomever, mm-hmm. just put in us with these chemicals in us. So that we would, you know, make more human beings or something. I don't know, <laughs> but but it is a state of being, and it's not real. Okay, it's not real. It's manipulative. Not to say you don't enjoy it, but don't make no life changing decisions within the first year of knowing someone <laughs> because you don't really know each other, and that shit you're mm-hmm. feeling is not tangible. It's not real. It's not concrete. It's not seasoned. It's not. It's not. True, it's not tested. And I would say that, like, you know, there are people who mm-hmm. met and married in two months, right? <laughs> well, oh, yeah. Is, and not saying that those mm-hmm. people can't meet, right? But you don't have the benefit of your friendship to fall back on mm-hmm. when times get tough, right? You don't have the benefit of the relationship that you have built, um, with each other when marriage stuff or like relationship mm. stuff is difficult. Like that person might get on your nerves with this one thing that they're doing. But when you have that, that foundation that you kind of built together in a relationship, that thing doesn't take you over the edge as easily or quickly, which is, you know, kind of what the elders are referring exactly. to in that. Like, you know, go through 
build your foundation first and then you got time to do all the rest of that stuff. Actually, just just a nod to our our our, our previous guest, Teak. I know Teak and um Kim um fell in love and got married fairly quickly. I think under a year, actually, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Teak, but I remember it happening really quickly. You know, and everyone's like, okay, y'all, y'all go. But you know what? What they were prepared to do was the fucking work. You know, it's like what they what, what they were old enough to understand yeah. is that okay, we're going to honor this this love that we're feeling or that, okay, there's this feeling of love. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. There is some serious connection going on here. What are we going to do about this? You know what I mean? And But knowing that, okay, once the ring is on the finger and all of that and it settles down, you know, being adults enough to really, you know, learn that friendship, going into it with the understanding of becoming stronger friends, becoming stronger partners. What does it actually take? You know, are we going to just flee at the first argument or whatever, because we're so fragile because we got married young I mean, or quickly, you know, but so if you, if you do make those moves where it's like, okay, fuck it. I found her. This is it. <laughs> fuck the bullshit. Right. I get it. I get it. Not trying to give shade to anyone that that gets married really quickly, but you also have to be prepared to do the work. It's the same kind of work that people who get married in arranged relationships, which we like to judge. But I tell you one thing, they go in with a clear, it's more than adult, mm-hmm. it's cultural, a clear intention that so what we're doing is now that we're married, the marriage is just a structure that we can get like tax write-offs and shit like structure. <laughs> and we're going to be, you know, have kids or whatever, whatever. But the work... The work is getting to know each other over time and falling in love with each other, not having known each other. Now, I think that is the hardest way to go at it. But a lot of those marriages stay together forever because they they didn't have that all that expectation we were talking about earlier in the front. And there's someone trying to meet that. No, you're seeing someone you're already in it from jump. So now we are obligated to truly unpack each other and truly understand each other and love each other warts and all. Oh, all right. That was cool. That was, <laughs> I, I do want to, um, I just want to give a shout out and quick announcement about my home girls thing. I'd like to actually try and get her on the show at some point um, in the future. Um, Marla uh, Stewart uh, from uh, Marla Renee Stewart, excuse me, from um, Velvet Lips. She is um, uh, uh, a sexual sexuality um, educator, seduction advocate, uh, scholar activist, just she she refers service expert, <laughs> but she she has a wealth a wealth mm-hmm. of um, knowledge around how to maneuver around your body, someone else's body, and relating with one another. I mean, I'm always every time she opens her mouth, I'm like, damn bitch, I'm I'm just learning. I gotta walk around with a notebook with you. <laughs> I learned so much, you know what I mean. So I want to give a shout out because she has a thing that happens um, every first and third Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern at O.School. Um, you can um, uh, uh, experience in bed with Marla. So basically she's streaming live at O.School. Uh, you can also Google O.School. Um, and you can ask her any kinds of questions. And I'm telling you, it's a true um, treat. So with that in mind, um, I just want to remind you again, if you do have questions about love and sex, um, you can just uh, holler at us at uh, your gay aunties at gmail.com and maybe Mala uh, might be able to answer those questions uh, direct when she's on the show or you know me and Red will take a stab at it as well <laughs> um, alright cool so support that and um, and with that being said I am Hanifa Walida and I am Red Summer and we are your gay aunties woohoo <laughs> woo 
Later, babies. Later.